Egypt, where he studied Islamic law and Islamic religion in Cairo. Uh, he has become the uh, president or head of Glad News for Muslim Ministry, where they've been reaching out to Muslims for 30 years. His wife, a Muslim-born Egyptian, was converted to Christ and was thrown into jail, along with her father, I believe, for converting from Islam to Christianity. And it wasn't until the help of the United States government that pressured Egypt that they were released. So this, Sammy's the real deal. You know, he loves the Lord. Uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can't wait to hear him this morning. Uh, you know, I, I saw him and I said, you know, every tongue, every tribe, Sammy. I said, you and I are cousins racially. I'm a Jew who believes in Christ. But I trace my ancestry back to Abraham. And so can he through Hagar. Uh, or the pharaohs, that's how the Egyptians came to be. But amazing, every tribe, it just doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or Greek, Gentile or whatever, for whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Sammy, come on up here. Let's welcome him. Thank you. Thank you. Good. I'll take all of this away from Good morning, you. everybody. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much for this warm welcome. Indeed, I've been looking forward to it for so many months, um, and uh, I am delighted to be here with you today. I called my wife this morning. I told her, pray, pray. This is not a, uh, an ordinary church. The church is dynamic. People uh, are so loving and friendly, and they love each other, and pray that God will use us in the most powerful way. Because uh, I don't go every Sunday to a church like that. So I am uh, rejoicing that God opened the door for me to come and share with you uh, my life, the ministry that he gave me to fulfill. And I came to share some facts uh, with you. And uh, I want to ask you uh, that you will uh, be listening more importantly to God as I am sharing because God will guide you. Uh, to what he wants you to do. And Joshua is going to help us see a DVD, will help us uh, uh, realize the first fact I want to share with you. And uh, after the DVD, uh, we will continue. One correction I want to make to the information in the DVD is stated in uh, 208 Muslims in America were 9 millions. I can assure you that we have no less than 20 million Muslims living in America today. And I will tell you why, hopefully, uh, after uh, we watch. Thank you. And I have the information here on a DVD outside, so you don't have to remember the... According to research, in order for a culture to maintain itself for more than 25 years, there must be a fertility rate of 2.11 children per family. With anything less, the culture will decline. 
Historically, no culture has ever reversed a 1.9 fertility rate. A rate of 1.3, impossible to reverse. Because it would take 80 to 100 years to correct itself. And there is no economic model that can sustain a culture during that time. In other words, if two sets of parents each have one child, there are half as many children as parents. If those children have one child, then there are one-fourth as many grandchildren as grandparents. If only a million babies are born in 2006, it's hard to have two million adults enter the workforce in 2026. As the population shrinks, so does the culture. As of 2007, the fertility rate in France was 1.8, England 1.6, Greece 1.3, Germany 1.3, Italy 1.2, Spain 1.1. Across the entire European Union of 31 countries, the fertility is a mere 1.38. Historical research tells us these numbers are impossible to reverse. In a matter of years, Europe as we know it will cease to exist. Yet the population of Europe is not declining. Why? Immigration. Islamic immigration. Of all population growth in Europe since 1990, 90% has been Islamic immigration. France, 1.8 children per family. Muslims, 8.1. In southern France, traditionally one of the most populated church regions in the world, there are now more mosques than churches. 30% of children ages 20 and younger are Islamic. In the larger cities such as Nice, Marseille, and Paris, that number has grown to 45 percent. By 2027, one in five Frenchmen will be Muslim. In just 39 years, France will be an Islamic republic. In the last 30 years, the Muslim population of Great Britain rose from 82,000 to 2.5 million, a 30-fold increase. There are over 1,000 mosques, many of them former churches. In the Netherlands, 50% of all newborns are Muslim. And in only 15 years, half of the population of the Netherlands will be Muslim. In Russia, there are over 23 million Muslims. That's one out of five Russians. 40% of the entire Russian army will be Islamic in just a few short years. Currently in Belgium, 25% of the population and 50% of all newborns are Muslim. The government of Belgium has stated one-third of all European children will be born to Muslim families by 2025, just 17 years away. The German government, the first to talk about this publicly, recently released a statement saying, the fall in the German population can no longer be stopped. Its downward spiral is no longer reversible. It will be a Muslim state by the year 2050. Muammar al-Gaddafi of Libya said, There are signs that Allah will grant victory to Islam in Europe without swords, without guns, without conquest. We don't need terrorists. 
We don't need homicide bombers. The 50 plus million Muslims in Europe will turn it into a Muslim continent within a few decades. There are currently 52 million Muslims in Europe. The German government said that number is expected to double in the next 20 years to 104 million. Closer to home, the numbers tell a similar story. Right now, cannabis fertility rate is 1.6, nearly a full point below what is required to sustain a culture. And Islam is now the fastest growing religion. Between 2001 and 2006, Canada's population increased by 1.6 million, 1.2 of those immigration. In the United States, the current fertility rate of American citizens is 1.6. With the influx of the Latino nations, the rate increases to 2.11, the bare minimum required to sustain culture. In 1970, there were 100,000 Muslims in America. Today, there are over 9 million. The world is changing. It's time to wake up. Three years ago, a meeting of 24 Islamic organizations was held in Chicago. The transcripts of that meeting showed in detail their plans to evangelize America through journalism, politics, education, and more. They said, we must prepare ourselves for the reality that in 30 years, there will be 50 million Muslims living in America. The world that we live in is not the world in which our children and grandchildren will live. The Catholic Church recently reported that Islam has just surpassed their membership numbers. Some studies show that at Islam's current rate of growth, in five to seven years, it will be the dominant religion of the world. As believers, we call upon you to join the effort to share the gospel message with the changing world. This is a call to action. Josh. I love how that DVD ended. This is a call to? And that's why I am here today. That's why I told you you need to be listening to God. Because God is going to guide you what kind of action you're going to take to help Muslims go to heaven before you go there. Because obviously this is a ministry that is bigger than me. Obviously this is required that as many churches, believers as possible to, to partner and to take action. And that's what Pastor Ross told me. I'm glad you came because... Uh, you are in the front line communicating the gospel to Muslims, and uh, we want to be part of the action. We want to help you. So this is what's all about uh, uh, today. It is not information, Bible study, business as usual. Uh-uh. Today is uh, sharing some information so God can give you a specific thing to do to be part of the action. Now, and of course, the action <laughs> for the young people, I want you to know that the action is not to get married quickly and have so many more babies. <laughs> uh, uh, I was at Calvary Chapel Bible College, and <laughs> I told all the, you know, the students that, a few hundred students. Uh, anyway, now, I'm glad you are laughing. Hopefully, you're going to have some fun. Now, here is the first 
fact God wants you to realize. Every four persons living in the world today, one of them is a Muslim. Muslim population doubles every 20 years. Why I said we have 20 million Muslims for, uh, in America? Because of my experience. I've been living here since 1980. Uh, I live in Orange County, California. We have 500,000 Muslims. Uh, Los Angeles next door to me, 800,000 Muslims. Uh, San Diego, Riverside, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Muslims. I spoke in one Calvary Chapel a year ago, Calvary Chapel Fremont. Pastor Tim told me that we have about 40,000, 50,000 Muslims just in Fremont alone. I go to Arab American Festival uh, to fulfill my calling is to give Muslims uh, the best Christian materials. Uh, and I go to the Arab American festivals in Garden Grove, Orange County. I taught a seminar in my church last year, uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. Eighty people came. I gave them Christian materials, thousands. And we went to the Arab American festival in Garden Grove, Orange County. And we gave about 15,000 Muslims in one day Christian materials. And I do the same thing in Phoenix, in Dearborn, in universities. So this is my calling number one. Muslims in America cannot be nine millions right now. <laughs> they are growing very rapidly now. Most of the Muslims in the world, including in America, don't understand the biblical teaching. The biblical teaching never been introduced to them in a way that they can understand, in a way that uh, connect with them. You know, because uh, many, you know, uh, Many Christian teachers uh, just don't consider the Muslim audience when they are talking from the radio and TV and so forth and writing books. Uh, you know, Muslims don't understand. You Christians say Jesus is the son of God? How more blasphemous you can be. The Quran told us how can God have a son if he doesn't have a wife? You don't make any sense. And then you say God loves his son and watching him being murdered? If you are a father and you saw a bunch of criminals just killing one of your children, wouldn't you go to rescue him? Don't you love your son? And that's what a good, loving, heavenly father would have done if Jesus is his son. In other ways, they are given certain logic. They are given certain teaching. And they never been introduced to the beauty and the depth and the power of the Christian faith. They never... Been, uh, the, the, the reasons and the evidence and the logic of the Christian faith never been communicated to them effectively. You know, many of us know that communication takes place not only in the words of the speaker, but also in the understanding of the listener. I know that very well, changing my culture from Egyptian, Middle East, Muslim culture, because most of the people live there are Muslims. And I came to America for the first five years I had a culture shock. I don't know why people talk that way and act that way. I still have a culture shock. <laughs> Sometimes, you know. I'm used to it now. <laughs> that anything is uh, possible, you know. <laughs> you know, I remember when I first came in 1980 and I started going to Calvary Chapel, 82, and I would see a beautiful American girl worshiping God. And then I see her the, the week after and the week after, and I said, wow. She's so beautiful, you know, and uh, blonde, blue eyes, wow, like the sky, and she loves Jesus. So I go to her, I tell her, my name is Sammy Tanago, I am from Egypt, nice to meet you. I said, nice to meet you, what's up? <laughs> I, I tell her, I, you know, I, I think you are so beautiful and you love God. Please give me your parents' phone number. 
<laughs> why, why do you want my parents' phone number? They're because my parents are coming to visit me in the summer. <clears throat> they come to visit me, and I want my parents to call your parents and visit them. What for? <laughs> because I think you are beautiful, and uh, you love Jesus, and maybe we can talk and pray about marriage. Marriage! <laughs> this is weird. They, I, no, I, I tell her, no, I'm not weird. I'm normal. I said, Marge, you know, I don't know you. This is the first time I see you. I said, no, I saw you last week and the week before. Please get me, please get, get me your, I, I know you are a good girl. You love Jesus. And the more I try, the more she rejected me and think I'm weird. You know, and I was devastated why she is rejecting me. I, I look good. I have sense of humor. You know, <laughs> you know the Americans are crazy. Why? 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 Why she doesn't want to talk about marriage? What's wrong about that? We're just going to pray about it. She said, no, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> now, to me, this is the most honorable way to approach a girl. And it still is. I believe it 100% through the family. Safe environment. They love us. They're going to pray for us. We're going to understand each other. It's an awesome environment. But for her, this is the most uncool way that any man can approach her. <laughs> I, I, did, I kept rejected one time after the other for years. <laughs> Simply because I miscommunicated. So communicating the gospel to Muslims, it's going to take some information, some efforts that different than communicating it to atheists or agnostic or uh, Mormons and so forth. It's going to take a, a, a way that uh, presents the biblical teaching in a, uh, with, to them in a way that connects with their culture, connects even with their beliefs, and build the bridge with them, and use even their beliefs to build a common ground as a stepping stone to the gospel, penetrate their heart, share stories and illustrations that help them to see and feel the Christian reasons and logic and give them evidence even evidence that they believe on, communicating the gospel that in a way that deals with their objections, a powerful way. And this is job number one that God gave me. Now, the first thing God wants you to realize that most of the Christians in the world, especially in America and Europe, do not communicate the gospel effectively to Muslims. I don't know of any. Uh, maybe you do, but I don't know. Uh, as a matter of fact, most of the churches in America, most of the pastors are different than Pastor Ross. Well, when they know that I have a ministry to Muslims, they are not going to welcome me to come and speak in their church, especially in Sunday morning. Why? Because they say, oh, no, the church is exists for the neighbors, and, uh, and most of our neighbors are not Muslims. Therefore, uh, no, thank you. So that leaves us with the fact and let me prove this to you. Uh, I spoke in Biola University Conference a couple of years ago. One of the speakers was Richard Vera. He is a multi-ethnic evangelism director to the Southern Baptist denomination in California. He asked me to speak in his conference. I told him I can't. I'm committed to speak someplace else. But I gave him everything God gave me, and then he sent me a few emails. One of the emails, he said something so true. He said, most Christians respond to Muslims in either one of two ways. He knows, because his ministry is deal with ethnic group. Respond to Muslims in either one of two ways. One, they keep a distance from them because they feel inadequate to witness to them. They don't know how. 
or two, they keep them at arm's length out of suspicion, fear, or anger. So what happened is, Satan used, Satan is working, taking actions. Satan used 9-11, war between Muslims and the Americans, like uh, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, the Israeli-Arab conflict, and of course, uh, we are pro-Israel, and we want Israel to win. So Satan used all these politics and wars to widen the gulf of separation between Muslims and Americans, Christians and the Christians. And Satan filled the air with suspicion and fear and anger. You know, I was invited about a week ago uh, to speak uh, in, uh, in, a, in a meeting, a big meeting, uh, for Acts for America. Acts for America is an organization that helps Israel and help America and always warn everybody against the threat of Muslims. And most of the people in the, in the room were so angry at Muslims. And, uh, and, and all the speakers that spoke before me attacking Muslims and the Muslim beliefs and the Muslim actions and terrorism, you know, warning everybody. And then they expect me to do the same. I told them, listen. I am going to tell you what is the best action that we can take for America to help Israel and to fulfill the Great Commission and to fulfill the Great Commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself and love your enemy, is communicate the gospel effectively to Muslims. Not one of the room, not one of the people, they were shocked. They said, Oh, you gave us something to think about. And amazingly, the director of the me, you know, this organization receives millions of dollars donation. And they receive the donation to warn people about the danger of Muslims against Israel and America. I told them, listen, we can help Israel and America through changing the hearts and the minds of the Muslims, not attacking them, you know, and confirming their beliefs that we are their enemies. And that's why Jesus said, love your enemy. And then the director did not take the message. The director was so angry at me. And she yelled at me for no reason. And, uh, but, but many of the people responded and said, we are with you. You know, I think you are doing the right thing. We don't do that, but I'm, we are glad that you are doing that. Anyway, I want to just to tell you, you know, I, I, and that's what most of the people tell me. God bless you, you know. Uh, we're going to pray for you. That's what the, most of the... They don't take action. They don't take action. Now, that leaves us with the fact that the church leaders and pastors in America, unfortunately, spend the billions of dollars every year on so many things, but they don't spend the 2%, 2% of their budget, of their mind to communicate the gospel effectively to Muslims, take action who never heard it communicated to them effectively one time in their lifetime. This is the first thing. The second thing uh, I know God wants you to see is his heart and the mind toward the Muslims, toward the whole world, including Muslims. And, and, you know, and that's what God told Abraham. God chose Abraham, I will bless you, and through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, the church here did not know that I was going to talk about this point. And this is one of the most important points God wants to communicate to you today. And we read it in the Bible reading today. 
God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Wow. Psalm 67. God wants you to tell you that. God blessed America. God blessed the American people more than he blessed any other people all over the world and gifted them and showered his blessings on them because he loves them, but also because he want to use their lives as a blessing to many people all over the world, multitudes of people. And for you and me, even more, we are more blessed than the average American. God chose us, picked us up, and God guided us to one of the most genuine Christian movements in America, Calvary Chapel. For you, God gave you an awesome pastor. I don't meet so many pastors like Pastor Russ. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I, I am serious. I am serious. God gave you the best. You know, you, you mean to tell you, you know, I mean to tell you that I never met a pastor. I've been speaking, doing public speaking for over 12 years, 15 years maybe. I never met a pastor. The first thing he tell me, I am glad you are here. Uh, we are glad. Maybe we can help your ministry. <laughs> I, nev- I, I never hear that. I told him, thank you very much. I need help. You know, <laughs> and he said, okay, I'm going to talk to my board. I never hear that from one pastor. After many years, he said, okay, we're going to pray about it. And then... Uh, they decide, you know, some pastors decide to send the $50 a month or something to help ministry. But you have a unique, precious, gracious, generous pastor who wants to get the gospel to Muslims. It's very rare. Now, we are sinful people. God forgave all of our sins. Wow. Am I grateful? Past, present, future. Because what Jesus has done, it was God's grace and mercy that opened our eyes and hearts to understand and receive and be forgiven. We are forgiven. Every time we sin, we go to God, God, forgive me. God said, forgiven. Before you say, forgive me. I know your heart. You want to walk with me. Even if you fell, stand up. I forgive you. I will bless you. Life is short. God gave us eternal life. You know how short life is? It can end just like that. I'm staying with Chuck or Daniel House, enjoying his hospitality. He told me two years ago, my wife was killed by a drunk uh, driver. Life can end just like that, with a disease, with anything. In 10 years, 15 years, half of us here will be dead. The other half, most of us will be old and sick. This is the good news I came to share with you today. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> you will get sick and die soon. <laughs> Isn't this the truth? Isn't this the truth? In August, I will be 55. Maybe I have 10, 15 years maximum. And do you know how quickly the year passes? Who would imagine that we... March is over, April is over? Huh? God is telling all of us, as I chose Abraham and blessed him, so I can use his life as a blessing to all, underline the word all. 
I used you, I chose you, and you, and you, and me, and you. God chose us, picked us up, and blesses us, and God will bless us forever. We are his kids. Because he loves us. But don't ever forget, because he want to use our lives, as we read in the Bible today, as a blessing to as many families as we let him. One of the secrets of the Christian life, happy life, successful life, exciting life, is the more you let God use your life as a blessing to another family, the more he's going to bless you. And the more you pass this blessing to another family, the more he's going to bless you. Why? Because God is looking for people to be used as a blessing to more families. Why? Because this is God's eternal plans, intentions, is to bless all people. Why? Because he loves all people. Genesis 17, God promised Abraham to bless Ishmael. That's a promise. Ishmael is a physical and the spiritual ancestor to the Muslim people. They came from Ishmael. Remember when God gave Abraham circumcision at the sign of the covenant, Abraham and Ishmael were circumcised together. Remember the Bible said God was with Ishmael as he grew up and promised to bless him. In Genesis 16, God promised Hagar to multiply her descendants exceedingly. Hagar was called Abraham's wife one time in the Bible. Verse 11, God himself named Hagar unborn son Ishmael, which means God hears. The same verse, God heard Hagar's affliction. Genesis 21, God heard Ishmael crying. By the way, nobody will hear our cry more than God. He hears our cries, and he helps us when we cry to him. And, and God wants us to enjoy his blessings, yes, and tell him, bless us more, yes. But God wants us to hear the cry of Muslims. You know, you and I have been taught the most accurate information about God through Calvary Chapel pastors. You know, Muslims... Since they were children, they have not been taught the most important information about God. Since they were children, they have been taught many wrong information. They are sheep harassed without a shepherd. They are victims to Satan who blinded their eyes spiritually. Do you know that most of the Muslim people sincerely seeking to please God and to obey God? Sincerely. Let me give you an example how Muslims are trying to do good works. One of our secretaries, Rachel, told me we needed two vans to go to Mexico. We found a Muslim businessman who rents vans. As soon as he found out we are Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and we are going to help Mexican people, he told me, I told him how much the vans for a couple of days. He said the vans are free because you are going to help poor Mexican people. Muslim businessman in Orange County trying to do good works. I was flying somewhere. I always try to discover if the person next to me is a divine appointment or not. And then I start talking with this lady. I never know. Uh, I, I spend so much time in the airport and airplane. So I was talking to this lady, and she told me, one of my best friends in Orange County is a Muslim. I told her, tell me more. She said, my father was dying 15 years ago when we were living there. Only her Muslim family, two brothers, donated big amount of blood and my father is alive today because of her Muslim family in the whole neighborhood. 
knew about my father, only her Muslim family. Muslims are like Cornelius. For the most part, I mean, if, you, if, if there is a war between Muslims and non-Muslims, of course they're going to look, look violent and look terrorist, like anybody else. Like the French and English and German and this and Japanese and the Americans and the Israelis, you know. When there is war, everybody gets violent, right? Everybody, including us. But when there is peace, when, when they are not in a war with a Muslim camp, with, with another people, they are very peaceful people. They are like Nicodemus, uh, Cornelius. You remember Cornelius? Uh, the Cornelius was a God-fearing man. He was neither a Jew nor born again Christian, but he tried to do good things. And remember the Bible said, the alms of Cornelius were accepted. Wow. I'm not going to push this point, but God was looking at his life and God was saying, I'm impressed. Maybe more than he is impressed with many of the religious Jewish leaders. Okay. Because God looks at the heart, and the Cornelius, a man, knew that there is a God, and had a conscience, and he wants to follow a good conscience, and he wants to please God, but he didn't know how to have the right relationship with God. And God told Peter, go tell him about Jesus. But before God can use Peter effectively, God needed to help Peter overcome his prejudice against a God-fearing man from a different background and different spiritual experience. And that's what God's trying to do with the church all over the world. Genesis 21. Do you remember when Hagar and Ishmael were dying from thirst in the desert? God himself intervened. Told Hagar, do not be afraid. Lift up Ishmael by the hand. I hear the Ishmael crying. And God himself opened Hagar's eyes. Miracle. She saw a well of water save their lives. You know, this story tells us that Ishmael's birth was not just merely, simply a mistake Abraham did. No, because if it were simply a mistake, don't you agree with me, God would have let them die? Easy, delete this mistake. But when God intervened, said these beautiful words to Hagar, save their lives through a miracle, aha, God proved that he has marvelous plans, intentions from the birth of Ishmael and his descendants, namely Arabs and Muslims. A thousand years after Ishmael's death, a thousand years later, his name and his first two sons' names, Kedar and Nebaiath, were carefully recorded in the genealogies of the holy texts. Kedar and Nebaiath, Ishmael's first two sons. Isaiah 21 tells us that the Arab people came from Kedar. Now, why that is important? Very important, because in Isaiah 60, we have an amazing prophecy. All Kedar's flocks will be gathered to God. Wow! The rams of Nebaiath will serve God. They will be accepted as offerings on God's altar. Dun, tara, ta, tan, tan. <laughs> now, you know, what makes, you know what makes these words extremely significant? These prophecies that you rarely hear about in America, rarely. I never heard it in a Christian radio or TV or anything. You know what makes it very significant? The time God gave these words to Prophet Isaiah and told him to say that, Kedar and Nebaiath already had been dead 
a thousand years ago. Are you with me? When God told the prophet Isaiah to say these words, Kedar and Abayas already had been dead a thousand years earlier. Uh-huh. <laughs> Clearly God was referring to Muslims, Arabs, the descendants of Kedar and Abayas. Let me give you a personal testimony. About four years ago, uh, God spoke to me one day very clearly to me and my wife and said, stop trying to reach the Muslim world by yourself. You are not going to get too far because we thought this is our ministry and I have to work, uh, you know, and, and to do the ministry. God said, no, this is not your ministry. You need to start a nonprofit ministry, glad news for Muslims, and take this ministry to as many uh, believers as possible and invite the believers to help you fulfill your calling. Because my calling is to communicate the gospel to hundreds of millions of Muslims in the most effective way through satellite, radio, publication, everything. And God said, also, I want you to equip my church to do the works of the ministry. So that day, when God spoke to us, and uh, me and my wife looked at each other and said, oh, we're going to start a non-profit ministry? The first question we had, which Bible verse are we going to put in our letterhead? As soon as we asked that question, immediately God gave us both in the same time, John 10, 16. Jesus said, I have other sheep are not of this sheepfold. I must also bring them. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. God wants his church to know that multitudes of these sheep are the descendants of Kedar and Nebaioth. Arabs and Muslims will be gathered with their families, with the multitudes of them. They will be saved in the day of the harvest. Jeremiah 49. God promised to save Muslims in Iran. We just spent... I made a decision to spend the $7,000 of my financial partner's money and that's a big amount for us as a small ministry to translate the book to Farsi. And now I am looking for churches to partner with me so we can print the book to Farsi in Farsi and give it to 20,000 Muslims in Afghan, uh, Afghani Muslims in Fremont. We're going to have to reach these people. Our job, our calling is to reach as many Muslims as we can, whether Iranian or Arabs or whatever. Isaiah 19.21 God promised to save Muslims in Egypt, my country, over 60 million Muslims. That's why we translated my book to Arabic seven years ago, and we gave thousands of them. And I want to I print that book in Arabic in Israel. And I want to go to Israel and put that book in the hands of, of uh, Messianic Jews and in the hand of believers, in the hand of Palestinians, thousands of them. Why? Because God is going to save Arabs and, uh, and the Egyptians. 1925, God said, blessed to be Egypt, my people. Your people? Your people? That's what God said. Assyria, which is present-day Iraq, the work of my hand, Israel, my inheritance. Acts 2, you remember? Jesus' disciples talked about Jesus, God, to people from many nations, including people from Egypt, Libya, Arab people. No wonder God is, we are living in the last days, so God is allowing tens of millions of Arab Muslims to go to the streets and rebel against their bad, corrupt Muslim government. And their Muslim governments are killing them, and the Saudi Arabia sending an army to 
crushed the revolution in Bahrain and killed thousands of Bahrainians and imprisoned and destroyed the mosque of the Shia and Muslims are killing each other, fighting each other and Muslims lost the trust in their Muslim leadership. They know it's corrupt. They are criminals, including the most important Muslim leaders in Saudi Arabia, where the holiest Islamic city, where Muslims go to do hajj. Most of the Muslim people now saying that the Muslim leaders in Saudi Arabia are criminals and the Muslims are looking now more than ever to enjoy their human rights, to hear what is the Christian faith teaches, to look for a loving family because they know that they have a dysfunctional family. They hate each other and they are looking for answers to life. Most important questions. What life is all about? Who are we? What do we should believe? And so forth. The Muslim people are more than ever open for the gospel because God is working. A revelation, uh, the verse that Pastor Russ said, people in heaven will come from all over the world. And we know that Muslims are growing very rapidly all over the world. And we know that there are prophecies that Muslims and Arabs will know God. Then the conclusion is multitudes of Muslims more than you can ever imagine, perhaps hundreds of millions, will be in heaven. The only question that remains to be answered, who God will use to tell them about Jesus. That makes me one of the most exciting men you can ever meet. <laughs> and you will know why later. Let me give you one more evidence that God is working you remember the Passion of Christ movie? You remember before the movie was released, a big rumor got out there. The movie is anti-Semitic against the Jews because it showed that they crucified Jesus. You remember? Now, you and I know the reason Jesus was crucified was not the Jews. No. This is the fulfillment of the prophecies. God is a just judge. He must punish the sinner. The natural consequence of sin is death, separation from God. But because God is love, he decided to take an additional nature, a human nature, to come to our world in the person of Christ. And as a human, he was able to represent you and me, represent the humanity. And as God made manifest in the flesh, his sacrifice was valuable enough to pay the penalty of all people against a holy God. And Jesus was crucified because God wanted to provide a way for you and me and all people that through faith in him, we can be united to him and saved from paying the penalty for our sins. That is the reason Jesus was crucified. However, God used this rumor that uh, Jesus was crucified because the bad Jews crucified him. So that made most of the Muslim leaders all over the world very excited about the passion of Christ. <laughs> you know, Muslim people love anything against Israel, you know. So as soon as the movie was released, they said, great. They told their people, go watch the passion of Christ. To see what the bad Jews have done, what the bad Israelis have done to the good prophet Jesus. <laughs> you talking about at least 800 million Muslims ran to the theater to justify the way they feel toward the, Isra the Israelis. And I got reports that most of them were crying like babies. And the talk of Muslim towns for weeks and months, guess about who? You, you can say Jesus in a church. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. The Muslim leader said, enough talk about Jesus. Get the movie out of the theater. Throw it in the garbage. It was too late. It was too late. It was too late. Well, one thing you need to know about Muslims, they are different than Westerners. How they are extremely emotional. 
But Americans are very good in controlling their feelings. Uh, you know, nine years ago, working for the county of Orange, a government job, my boss told me, I'm going to send you to take a class. I told her, which class? She told me, the class title is, How You Control Your Feelings. <laughs> I thought she was kidding. She said, I'm not kidding. You're going to take that class? Americans are very good. They don't let you know what they... You know, in America, your boss can drink coffee with you, have a nice conversation, and next day you are fired. <laughs> Americans do that all the time. That happens to me. I used to work as a waiter. I ate with my boss, and he was a Christian, and next day he told me, Sammy, I told him, what, John? He said, we decided to let you go. I told him, thank you. Where are you sending me? <laughs> you know... You know, La, La Peep, it was La Peep company, a breakfast lunch company coming from Denver, La Peep, very uh, famous company, and I was doing a good job, the company was expanding, and uh, I was shocked, because we ate together the day before. Two, he did not tell me why. Two months later, I, I, I went to the restaurant, and I told him, why did you fire me? I treated customers like I want to be treated. I loved everybody. I prayed for everybody. You know me. I go to the church. You know the church. He said, listen, listen, listen. Uh, don't, don't take these two. Don't become very emotional because we did not fire you for anything wrong you done. But we figured that you are not in harmony with, uh, with the team. I told him, what, what are you talking about? Harmony, what harmony? He said, you, you talked about Jesus, and the waitresses don't like to work with you. They don't like to work around you. They don't feel comfortable about you. And we decided, as management, you don't fit the team, and we just want to let you go. But please, do not take this personal. <laughs> I wanted to punch him and tell him, don't take this personal. But God gave me self-control. Thank God. <laughs> I cried out to God. I told him, I cannot live like that. I'm going to go back to my country, to Egypt. And God got me a job in the government. Thank God, the county of Orange. <laughs> you never lose when you lose for Jesus. This is Satan's biggest lie. The more you lose for God, you lose. No. The more you lose for God, you win. And this company, by the way, closed the restaurant. They opened. And they went back to Denver. Maybe God cursed them after they fired me. I don't know. <laughs> but I forgave them from my heart. But God deals with people, you know? Anyway, oh, I, I had a point to make. Oh, my point, I found my point. My, my, my point is, my point is, because Muslims are emotional, God used the most extreme emotional method. The passion of Christ penetrated at least 800 million Muslim hearts to make them feel has love and salvation, and bring tears out of their eyes and sincere questions in their mind. My wife's brother lives in Saudi Arabia, and he called her, he told her, was Jesus really crucified? Do you have evidence? We watched the Passion of Christ. Saudi Arabia. See, God is working. The prophecies will be fulfilled. As a matter of fact, God already started fulfilling the prophecies. Let me give you a few examples from my own personal testimony. I can't tell you all of them, but let me give you a few. Uh, in 1995, something like that, I was invited by a big Calvary Chapel Horizon in San Diego, Pastor Mike McIntosh, to, to speak in the School of Ministry, a class, about 50 people. Uh, the director was Chris Olson, the director of the school of ministry. Chris Olson is still on the staff in the church on Horizon, but he's not over the school of ministry, but he's on the staff. And one of the people invited a Muslim woman, Rita, from Iran, 
to hear me. I spoke eight hours seminar, and uh, we went to lunch during the time. And then on Monday, Chris also sent me a letter. He said, thank you for coming, because Rita enjoyed the, in the information you shared in the seminar, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ on Sunday morning, next day. I was invited by uh, Pastor Randy McQuarter, Shoreline Baptist Church in Fountain Valley, Orange County, California. I spoke two Sunday morning service, 1996-97, something like that. One of the members got two copies of my book and they gave one copy to his ex-Muslim friend who was trying to win his Muslim family unsuccessfully. The, the, the ex-Muslim shared the information from the book to answer their questions and the two Muslim members in his family came to Christ, and Randy McQuarter was promoted to be the director of evangelism for the California Southern Baptist Convention, and he sent me a letter. He told me I wanted to speak in more Baptist churches. But my calling is to go to Calvary Chapel. These are my family. And then I went to Calvary Chapel, Huntington Beach, organizing my table. Jeff Osborne, a lawyer there, gave me a hug. And they told me, I gave your book to some of my clients. I am a lawyer, and some of them came to Christ. By the way, he's dying from cancer now. But I am glad that he was using his life not to make lots of money as a lawyer, but to serve God, even his clients. And he told me, don't tell anybody. I'm sorry. He's dying anyway. <laughs> he's going to die, you know. So we might as well use the information. God will forgive me. I went to Calvary Chapel, Ridgecrest, Pastor Glenn, two years ago. The secretary sent me an email. She said, in 201, you spoke in our church. My mother got a copy of my book, of your book. She gave it to a Muslim salesman when she bought a truck. He sent us a letter, an email a week later. He said, I read the book. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. We never saw that Muslim, but we know we're going to spend the eternity with him. Calvary Chapel, Reggie Christ. I called the Gold Country Calvary Chapel, Sacramento, Pastor Michael Warren. I told him, I want to come to your church. Be used by God to help your church. One Muslim to Christ. He said, you don't need to come. God already used you. We took one of your books to Africa. A Muslim came to Christ. I went to Antioch Calvary Chapel in West Philadelphia. A church half black, half white. I was going inside the church. One of the worship team stopped me. He said, you wrote this book? I told him, actually, I just put my experience, my education, my research, but God used the Christian Americans to help me edit it, put it in the computer. It was a teamwork. He said, thank you for letting God do, uh, use you to do your part. I was the last Muslim in the streets of Philadelphia. Somebody gave me a, a copy of your book. I play in the worship team now. Our pastor in Philadelphia, big pa Calvary Chapel pastor, Joe Foch, told me, we gave him that book. After I finished speaking, a beautiful, giant black man came to me, was looking at me for two, three minutes, or five minutes. I was at my table, and he was looking at me. And, uh, and then he told me, uh, Sammy, I am a Muslim. I told him, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was so giant, you know. <laughs> After I heard you speak about Jesus, I prayed with Pastor Aaron, the senior pastor. I believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I told him, why you didn't say that five minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to happen in my ministry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can tell you lots of stories. The whole day I can tell you stories about Muslims coming to Christ just through my small ministry. I spoke at Calvary Chapel, Chattanooga in Tennessee. 
uh, a Muslim woman from Libya was there after the second service. She went forward crying, and she told the pastor, Frank, the senior pastor, and Eric, the mission pastor, pray for me, pray with me. This is the first time I go to a church, and I know now God loves me, and I want to put my faith in Jesus. She became born again. Tell you, lots of story. Calvary Chapel Folsom, Pastor Mike Flander called me. He said, can you fly to Sacramento to witness to Afghani Muslim woman? I flew. She came to Christ. Now, what is the more important facts? In the past 50, 60 years, more Muslims came to Christ than in the past 1,400 years. This is God already started fulfilling the prophecies. This is not a good time to get involved in a sin. This is not a good time to sleep and watch TV and drink beers and watch football, okay? Why? Because God is looking for people to use to fulfill the prophecies. In Egypt alone, before the revolution, about 5 million Muslims came to Christ. They are underground. One of them is my wife. I have a few DVDs. Uh, of her testimony, but I can send you more if you want to uh, order them, and I hope I can bring her next year to share her testimony. Born and raised as a Muslim, majoring in Islamic study, Arabic language, one of the most prestigious Islamic universities in Egypt, Dar al She became born again. They noticed she is different. They told her, you are different. Why? She told them, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. They said, this is unacceptable. Come to the headquarters. You are not going to get out of here before you say, I'm a follower of Muhammad. She told them, I cannot do that. They told her, why can't you do that? She told them, let me tell you what happened to me. I was a good Muslim. I was praying five times a day. But I felt God is far from me. And I was not happy. I had a burden on top of my shoulder. I did not have peace. And then I read what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. I got answers to my questions about Jesus. I read what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to come to me, all you burden and the and the weary, and I will give you rest. I started believing in what Jesus said. I start talking to Jesus. Now the burden on top of my shoulder no longer exists. I am a happy person. I am very excited about life. I know God is my loving heavenly Father who hears and answers my prayers. I cannot deny Jesus. <laughs> And they told her, we have a problem. Shut up. No more talk. You're going to prison. You're going to suffer. You're going to die. We are the religious uh, leaders here in the country. Do you want to suffer and die? Bottom line. Or do you want to say the Islamic confession now? She told them, no, I don't want to suffer and die. But I cannot say the Islamic confession because I cannot deny Jesus. Because everything good happens to me. It happened through Jesus. Before they threw her in prison... One of the PhD Muslim professor believed her story, started talking to Jesus. He was not happy, and he became born again. And he gave her excellent grades before they saw him in prison. <laughs> she told me, I did not do anything good in the exam. In prison, she met three ex-Muslims. Her church is the largest Presbyterian church in Egypt, Qasr al-Dubara, good Bible teaching church. Pastor Minis, he is still there, semi-retired, prayed for four of them, asked the believers to pray for them. God strengthened them. They used to pray every morning, sing Christian songs every night. They attracted the Muslim prisoners, and the Muslim prisoners told them, why you are singing? The place is filthy. The smell is horrible. The food is awful. You will be executed. We read that in the newspaper. They told them, don't worry about us. We are singing because we feel God's presence. We are going to heaven. God is going to reward us for sacrificing our life for him. But you got problems with the government. You need to talk to Jesus because Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus can help you in your problems right now. Jesus can give you peace. Jesus, Jesus. Many of the prisoners got nothing else to do. Start talking to Jesus. Many got born again. 
And then God used the American government Congress to put pressure on the Egyptian government, threaten to reduce the American aid to Egypt if they don't set them free, and they set them free. My wife tell me, I am so glad I obeyed God when he told me, I want to send you to prison. Because all these Muslims that I met needed Jesus. They were desperate. And my three Christian sisters, they needed support. That was the best time in my life. I told her that was better than the honeymoon. <laughs> and then she was quiet. I told her, tell me, tell me. And she said, that was different. I told her, I can live with that. You know. <laughs> Why God is working in the Muslim world? God is working in the Muslim world because God is love. In Proverbs 8, God said, my delight is with the sons of men. God knows that people who do not enjoy his presence, a living relationship with him, and his blessings, these people are suffering. Now, we suffer too. We have problems. We have challenges. But, you know, a few months ago, I was running to speak in a church. It was raining. I slipped. I fell into my hand. And it was killing me for a few months. And now it aches. It wakes me up 4 o'clock sometimes. I cannot go to back sleep. You know, but when, I, when it aches now, when it wakes me up 4 o'clock, what do I do now? Pray. Pray. And it's, what did I use today? And instead of thinking about cookies and muffins and, you know, <laughs> And watch TV for half hour, the news, and then think about God. No, the first thing I do now, God, I need you. So God is using the suffering to make me more spiritual. Why? So I can serve him more, enjoy my life. Life is more interesting. And when I die, he's going to reward me for everything I've done for him. So God is using suffering for my good. Great. I don't ask God to take the suffering now. I tell him, whatever, may your will be done. But when people in the world suffer, there is no comfort, no Holy Spirit to give them peace and hope and joy. There is no family of God to, 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 to pray with them. There is no promises. There is no promises that God will cause all things to work together for good to those who love God. They suffer and they really suffer. And because God loves the people, God is longing to have a relationship with as many people as possible, simply to give them the best life possible on earth. That's, that's what Pastor Ross was praying. Thank you, God, for the life that you gave us. Uh, a life abundant. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundant, rich life. Kind of a life that you are excited to live. You are looking forward, waiting up in the morning because you know that God has things for you. To do, and God is going to speak to you. You're going to enjoy God's blessings, God's love. And, uh, and why God want to give people the best life? Because God is love. God loves people. No strings attached. No ulterior motives. Zero. God want to love people and want to give them his best. And God enjoys it, spending eternity with more people going there. You remember what Jesus said in Luke 15? There is a celebration in heaven when one sinner repents. Party time, the angels are dancing, hallelujah. One sinner repented in Yemen, yes. That's what excites God more than anything else. And that's why God came. God, who is spirit, took additional nature, a human nature, and came in the person of Christ 
and was stripped naked, spit upon, slapped, punched, mocked, tortured. God so suffered. So suffered. Why? Because he so loved. Who? Including Muslims, Lebanese, Palestinian, Arabs, Hezbollah, Jews, Asian, Black, Spanish, American, all. God so loved. So loved. God is passionate in his love. Now, we know the greatest commandment is to love God with our whole being. Do you remember what Jesus said about the second, the greatest commandment? Jesus said the second is exactly like the first one. Which means love your neighbor as you love yourself is exactly like loving God. Is equally important because Jesus said the second commandment is exactly like the first one. Why? Because I can't love God and bring him pleasure, make his day, cause celebrations in heaven, make people benefit from his suffering without loving my neighbor and helping my neighbor to enter into fellowship with God. They are the same. And now we are talking about two people. We are talking about your non-Christian neighbors that you live close by and your co-workers, the last people that you meet. I want you... I want you to give them... uh, I want you to develop a good relationship with one non-Christian person, manifest God's love to that person, non-Christian American, and give him this book, The True Love. It presents God's love and salvation in a simple, attractive way. And invite that person to church. Okay? Don't worry about the space. Don't worry about the space. This is not your problem. This is Russ's problem. (laughs) But let God use your life to help one non-Christian American. There is so many awesome non-Christian Americans. I meet them almost every day. They are waiting for a genuine Christian who loves them and gives them the biblical teaching in in an attractive way, not aggressive way, and invite them to church. Invite him to breakfast first, lunch, coffee, develop a good relationship, manifest God's love, invite him to church. So he can enjoy what you enjoy in the church. And we are talking about Muslims because Muslims are our neighbors. According to Disneyland, it's a small world after all. Not only God want to save the good Muslims, God also want to save the bad Muslims. The bad Muslims. And God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah told God, no, not Nineveh. Nineveh is part of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire is against Israel, your people, whom you choose, the Israelites, the Jews. And the Ninevites are wicked people. God said, I know that, all that. Go to Nineveh. And that was the biggest revival in the Old Testament. There are cultures different. We don't have time to talk about that. When you see a Muslim, tell him, Salam alaikum. Remember, God is preparing you before you meet a Muslim. Remember this. God want to give you ministry opportunity. Maybe he want to use you with a, with a Muslim because California has the largest Muslim population. But God want to prepare you first before he gives you the divine appointment. Tell him, Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum. Can you say that? Salam alaikum. The first thing you, when you do when you meet a Muslim is to smile to him. The first thing you do when you meet a non-Christian is a smile to him. A smile for God's sake. Can you give me a beautiful smile now? Smile. Smile. When you meet a non-Christian, smile. Why? Because God might use you 
to manifest his love to this non-Christian and invite him to church and help him enjoy God's love and salvation. Fitting smile. Muslims are God-conscious people. They know that there is a creator. They are frightened from God because God never promised to forgive them, even if they perform all the religious duties, God said no guarantee. Muhammad himself did not know if he's going to make it to heaven or not. One of the CDs I have on my table is a comparison between the relationship between God and the believer in Islam versus Christianity. Master to slave or father to child. They arrive for the gospel. And that's why God want to equip all the believers, no exception, and that's all. Let me tell you my story quickly. I was uh, uh, working as a defense lawyer in my father's legal firm in Egypt. It was a good job in making money, but it was not the most honorable job that anyone can have. As a defense lawyer, most of my clients were drug dealers, and uh, all of them were guilty. So, <laughs> so I, I used to use technicalities, something wrong with arrest or the search, to get them out of prison. I did it for two years, and then God convicted me big time. During those times, I resisted God's conviction, but finally I could not resist. God told me, what are you doing? You are, you are making the guilty innocent. You are lying. You are living to please your father, not your heavenly father. And remember, where is your grandfather? He was a famous rich attorney. He is dead. He lost everything. And when you die, you're going to lose everything. While you are living, you are going to lose your relationship with me. I told God, what can I do? God said, leave Egypt. Remember Moses, Hebrew 11. Moses left Egypt by faith and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, preferred to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, leave Egypt. Left Egypt, came to America. Start working in gas station, all that. Uh, waiter, my family said, it looks like you are a loser, you are a failure. Come back to Egypt. I, I went to UCI, graduated, took certificate. I studied for the California bar exam to be a lawyer. Before I passed the bar exam, God brought my wife, she said, stop, don't take the bar exam. I told her, no, it's about time. I already studied. She said, no, don't take it because God brought me to you to encourage you to fulfill your calling, to keep walking by faith, keep denying yourself, and let's be prepared to fulfill our calling. I told her, listen, no, I need to get back my career first and then think about my calling because right now nobody's interested in our ministry. She doesn't matter if they are interested or not. We need to be prepared. I told her, no, I need to get my career back. And we had a problem. Uh, I was very devastated because usually in Egypt, wives submit to their husbands. <laughs> in America, I don't know what is going on. <laughs> I almost thought she's talking with beautiful American women, powerful, you know. She said, no, you need to walk by faith. You need to deny. God changed my heart. And God told me, okay, no, she's right. And I told God, okay, but I've been working as a waiter for 15 years now. Now uh, I need to use my mind. God said, you want to use your mind? For you or for me? And that was God breaking me, changing me. And God actually spoke to me and said, do you consider it a waste when you use your mind in the fullest capacity for me? And I told him, no, it's not a waste. And God said, okay, I want you to love me with all your mind. I told God, okay, I, uh, let me use my mind. And God said, okay, and instead of collecting evidence, to, to, to defend your clients and they make lots of money as a lawyer, I'm going to give you only one case to prove. I want you to present that. I want you to present the biblical teaching in the most understandable, convincing, acceptable, powerful way to the highly educated Muslim. Write a book. Uh, let us listen to the, my, my pastor testimony, please, Josh. 
the CD, the audio? To receive all these testimonies all the time that Muslims have. And I'm going to share with you quickly a story. After World War II, a Christian pamphlet was written to heal the wounds between Japanese and Americans. One of those pamphlets fell into the hand of Mitsu Fushida, the Japanese general that chose him to do the suicide mission and kill 3,000 U.S. Navy personnel in Pearl Harbor. Mitsu Fushida, they used to, he used to hate Americans. After he read the Christian pamphlet, he became an evangelist to Americans and Japanese. One of my prayer, and that's how we battle, one of my prayer, that one of those books will be given to a Muslim here, whether through you or through me, and that Muslim will read it and send it to Yemen or Pakistan, and the book will fall into the hand of Osama bin Laden. <laughs> it's, it's the God who changed soul from the general in Satan's army to the Apostle Paul, he used to kill and the aristocrats cannot change the worst Muslim terrorists. He can, and he wants to change multitudes of Muslims. But he needs us to love our enemy, pray for them, penetrate their territories, and give them answers to their questions. That's the right. And now imagine, you know, I tell God, if you give me uh, money, I can do satellite to the, to the Muslim world. I told God, well, it's a bad economy. You don't have to give me money. Give me Osama bin Laden. And let Osama bin Laden share his testimony with the Muslim world and tell them, I used to hate Jews and the Israelis and the Americans. I used to think killing them is doing God a favor. But now I know that God wants us to receive his mercy and grace through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that I'm going to surrender to the American government to execute me, but I do not care. I am going to heaven. Imagine, and, and 20, 30 million Muslims of our worst enemy will become part of our family and will help us fulfill the, prof the, prom the prophecies. What I want to tell you is there is so much out there that God wants us to do, so we don't have time to sleep or to get involved in anything. Uh, now, now I, wanna, I have to finish now, but I want to leave you with this. I know what God is using to bring Muslims to Christ. I know, because I've been in this ministry for a long time. Now, you pray about it, but I tell you what I need. I need people to get that book out. We give it to Muslims, uh, usually, and we want Americans also who meet Muslims to give it to them. So I shipped 120 books by faith. I don't want to go back with any book. Each book is $15, uh, because I love Pastor Ross. Today only is $14.95. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to give you a good deal. I'll give you a good deal. Pay whatever you want to pay. That's a good deal or not? You want to pay 15? Pay 15. You want to pay 10? You want to pay 5? You want to take it free? Take it free. Any material you want to take, whether my wife's testimony, if you want to order my wife's testimony, or True Love, or this, or any CDs, and if you want to write a check, if God is blessing you financially, and you want to make one-time donation to our ministry, great. We need, of course, financial partners. So write the check for anything to glad news for Muslims. And write in the memo, what did you take? Because I'm accountable to our Christian CPA. So like you said, write a check for any amount you want and say one true love, one glad news, and so forth. This is one thing you can do to bring Muslims to Christ, to get the book, read it, be equipped, be ready, and then 
wait for God to bring you a Muslim to give it to him or to send it overseas. I don't know. You have to listen to God. God will guide you. Okay? Number two, just give me one second. I'm sorry. I'm finished. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish. I know I'm, I'm, I'm finishing because, you know, I'm finished. That's okay. I'm finishing. You know, we're going to have lunch and relax and all that. And I have to catch my airplane too. Number two, if God is blessing you financially and you can help me give more Christian materials and to communicate this information to more Muslims, if God is blessing you financially and above your tithing, it has to be above your tithing, you can become a monthly financial partner, fill this form. Right here, $10, $15, any amount you want to help our ministry with every month above your tithing. If it does not cause you any financial pressure, become a financial partner. We need financial partner. Why I need financial partner? For two reasons. The more financial partner I have, the more Muslims are evangelized. And the more Muslims are evangelized, more of them come to Christ. Number two, I still work for the government. But God is opening so many doors for me, and I am waiting for $500 to come every month so I can quit my government job, buy my own medical insurance, and be free to go wherever God sends me. So don't belittle what God gave you. Maybe God did not give you the gift to write book or to do CDs. Yesterday, we recorded satellite programs with Calvary Chapel Fremont to be broadcasted to multitudes of Muslims. Maybe God is not giving you the ability to be like me to travel all over the United States or the world. But maybe God is giving you good mind and you have a good job and you make good money. Great! You can give your church more money and you can help us, help me to be full-time and help me to communicate the gospel to more Muslims. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Part of the reason Sammy is as desperate as you see him is because of the close-minded close-heartedness, the lack of faith of the Western American Christian Church. We have done this to him in a good way. God has used it in a good way. He doesn't get the time of day. He's had to pour his entire 30-year ministry into an hour and a little bit over. <laughs> You're all an hour. And I was thinking, we can't even do that without complaining or without thinking we've been violated. A whole extra whatever it was. I my heart was burning, saying, every have you met anything like this? <laughs> He's got the language, he's got the culture, he's got the fire, he's got the experience, he's got the wife. <laughs> Every penny that goes to him is in a, a, a full-on investment in the kingdom of God. And when he said 
that all I need is 500 bucks a month, and I'm going to know that I, I'm free. That's going to free me up. Right away, I just thought at least half of that is going to come from our church, Lord willing. And I'm going to call the pastor that just hosted them and just say, partner with us. We'll do half. You do half. He's done. Done with working, punching a clock. Every minute he's working at a desk is minutes he's not winning the world for Christ. I want to be part of the rope team that's going to let him down. No, I mean, you know, not into the hole, but... Yeah, you go and do that over there, and we'll hold the rope, and we'll provide the rope and, and everything you need. My heart just goes out. I, I am moved. I know that we, we may just stay a little bit longer. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray. Amanda, just kind of chime away. We'll forego the, the usual song, and we're just going to pray over Sammy, his wife, and this new friend of Calvary the Rock. Get used to this face. You know what we'll do? We'll give him Sunday morning and Sunday night. So, you know, okay, and Sunday afternoon as well. He'll just go straight through to the night, and he probably could do it too. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Sammy and his wife and his family and this burden while preaching the gospel in, in the middle and just hearing his heart that he's well-grounded, he's evangelical he's he's got the holy spirit he's got everything god we we just we want to toss this grenade in a big muslim crowd and see not people die but come to life and by as we lay down our lives lord it's not to destroy but to build up and to re, re reconcile muslim hearts to god the father for it is written they shall come they shall be present around the throne, and they shall hold hands with us, Lord, singing your praises. Bless Sammy. Raise this $500 for him a month, Lord, and, and just may we just be, have a special relationship with him. Lord, I just really want in on all the fruit that's coming from this ministry. I want to say I had a little part of that and helping them, Lord. So let us all be stirred up, Lord. Thank you for the patience of your people, Lord. And surely this is just so, such a little thing we can do is to be patient and open our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you. Sammy's going back there. Give him a big hug. Buy his books. And we'll see you Wednesday. God bless you.